Welcome to Live Yes with Arthritis from the Arthritis Foundation. You may have arthritis, but it doesn't have you. Here, you'll learn things that can help you improve your life and turn no into yes. This podcast is part of the Live Yes Arthritis Network, a growing community of people like you who really care about conquering arthritis once and for all. Our hosts are arthritis patients Rebecca and Julie, and they're asking the questions you want answers to. Listen in. Welcome to the Live Yes with Arthritis podcast. I'm Rebecca, an occupational therapist living with rheumatoid arthritis. And I'm Julie, a JA patient who's passionate about making sure all patients have a voice. Welcome to the Live Yes with Arthritis podcast. The original episode for today was recorded back in February about ergonomics and how to make your workspace work better for you to help protect your joints and prevent pain. Since the recording, all of our lives have changed quite a bit as we learn to adapt and work from home and to social distance, protecting ourselves and our families from COVID-19. Today, Julie and I are joining you again remotely as we avoid unnecessary travel during the coronavirus outbreak and practice social distancing to protect ourselves and others from contracting this novel virus. So many of us in the arthritis community fall in that higher risk category for COVID-19. That's right. It's a new world and we're keeping our distance to help bring this crisis under control. But social distancing doesn't mean emotional distancing. Right, Rebecca? Yeah, that's right. It's, it's kind of weird to say that, right? We should be saying physical distancing, not social distancing. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of reason to stay even more connected today. There's so much we need to get caught up on. And, of course, everything changes every day. We're getting information by the minute, I feel. So today we're going to talk about how to work ergonomically from your home with your arthritis keeping this national emergency in mind. So many of us are probably working from home right now if we can, and some of the tips we share here can definitely help you in this new environment of teleworking. First, we wanna update you on a few things. For the very latest news and updates, and for information people with arthritis like you want and need to know, stay on top of it all on our new constantly updated webpage. Go to arthritis.org, to get the latest news, FAQs, and ways to stay in touch with the arthritis community virtually, online, 24-7. Information on the COVID-19 situation changes hourly, it seems so, for the most up-to-date information in your area. Please check out the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's website at cdc.gov. You can also visit your state and local health department websites for the latest information in your area which is really important as local governments may have different rules and restrictions in your community. Now we wanna turn back to a topic we know can help you readjust in your workplace. Now, probably your home workplace setting and how you can make it work better for you while living with arthritis. A couple of weeks ago, we recorded an episode with an ergonomics expert who is back with us right now to help us reframe this information in light of the coronavirus pandemic to make working from home and schooling from home easier for all of you. Yes, let's welcome Nikki Weiner back, who is an ergonomic specialist and occupational therapist. She's also co-founder of The Rising Workplace. Thank you so much, Nikki, for being with us again today. You're welcome. So a lot has happened since we last talked. 
we'll just apply some of those same tips now, but I think we have to reframe it now. A lot of us are working from home. So before we do that, Nikki, can we start off with a quick definition of what is ergonomics? Ergonomics involves the a person's interaction with their work environment and the work that they actually do. So the idea here is that when that's a good fit, when you're well matched to your work and to the environment within that you work, then you're going to reduce injury, be more comfortable and be more productive throughout the day. How do you suggest we get comfortable establishing a new workplace at home? And what are some of the first steps that we can take to establish this new kind of routine, considering all we know about ergonomics? Yeah, I think the key word there is routine. And I'm not saying that you get up and get dressed in your finest business casual every day, but just have some, you know, um, expectation for yourself to, even if it's just brush your teeth and change your clothes, and even if it's just changing the more sweatpants. It helps draw the line between work life and home life, which can be a challenge when you work from home. And that's really important for balancing our day and managing our stress. And so, you know, keeping that boundary also means not winding down with work at the end of the day. So being sure to have time budgeted into your day that's work time and then time that's personal time as well. So one of the things that's adding so much more stress and anxiety to everybody, aside from what's going on around us, is a lot of us are having to become teachers at home. So we're not only working from home, we're also trying to help our kids understand that they still have to have a learning environment. So trying to do all of these things and find that balance, are there any suggestions you could offer in this situation? Yes, I've been dealing with that myself personally. And what I found is, you know, the same expectations for the children as we have for ourselves, meaning having those boundaries, working off a routine and using a dedicated workspace that's comfortable. You want to align your schedule so that if you know, for example, you have an important conference call, you're going to schedule that call during a time that you know that your child is having some type of quiet, self-guided activity. And also just kind of be realistic on what you can accomplish in a day when you're also trying to homeschool a child. So don't set the bar so high because then that can really add to stress during the day. I really loved what you said about dedicating your own workspace um, at home so that you can really make sure that you're working effectively there. And I wonder what tips do you have to establish a workspace that's dedicated just for you in your home? I do recommend a single dedicated workspace, maybe two workspaces. This keeps the boundary between work and personal life there. And so, unfortunately, it does not mean working from places where you like to relax, such as the couch or the bed. And then from there, even before you think about ergonomics of the workstation, I always think about the environment, things like lighting, noise, and temperature. So finding that space in your house, where it's well lit, has sufficient lighting. Um, If you can take advantage of natural lighting, that is preferred. So if there's a window near your workspace, you want to work in an area that's a comfortable thermal zone for you. So, you know, not an area of the house that tends to be too hot or too cold, knowing that that is where you're going to be spending a lot of your hours. And then, you know, noise. So if you're going to be dealing with a lot of unpredictable, distracting noise, that can really impact your ability to do your work, of course. Most phones, you can download a white noise app, so that continuous noise can help focus us a little better. You could turn on a fan or um, use a headset, for example. 
you just have to get creative. So, um, you know, if you don't have a desk in the most ideal area that meets all the criteria, it's a quiet area, it's got good lighting, you might just pop up a card table. Those are some really great suggestions. Thanks, Nikki. So I know as OTs, we talk about what ergonomics is, what that workspace would look like in, in creating what we call a neutral position. So would you mind walking our listeners through what a neutral position looks like when we're working more ergonomically? If we work in a neutral position, it protects our, our joints because it allows our um, circulatory system to operate properly. And that's the system that removes the waste in our body and um, keeps our tissues from becoming damaged. So, you know, there is real science behind it. When we do an assessment, we tend to start with a chair. So you want to be seated comfortably in a chair that allows you to rest your feet on the floor. And if you can't have your feet resting on the floor, then to use a footrest or something to prop your feet like a sturdy box. You want to sit back in the chair with the back supported up against um, a lumbar support, whether that's, you know, a, a pillow or if, if it's an ergonomic task chair that has a lumbar adjustability function. So you want to sit up against the back of the chair. And when you're sitting up against the back of the chair, you want to make sure that the chair is not cutting into the back of your knees either. You want to be sitting at a height of the chair that allows you to access your workstation, meaning your mouse and your keyboard, without having to reach up. So if your arms are kind of suspended up, then you'll want to raise the chair up somehow or move the workstation down. You can achieve a neutral position when the desk is about the level of your elbow. That could mean you can raise your chair up to reach that level or um, use a keyboard tray to bring the surface down. Your mouse and your keyboard are close to your body, and the screen is about an arm's length away for most of us. That means we don't have to bend our neck forward or back to view it, and we don't have to turn our neck side to side to view it. So we're not having, you know, we want to center the monitor in front of our body. The height of the monitor, it should be that the top third of the screen is approximately eye level, and again, that means that we're not tilting our heads up and down. Share your coronavirus and arthritis thoughts, tips, and stories. And ask our subject matter experts questions on our Livias Arthritis Network online community discussion forum. Go to arthritis.org slash liveyes. Join the online community to access the Hot Topics Coronavirus Forum. If we do have kids who are now home or if we're homeschooling them, are there similar rules for kids? And how do we kind of establish nice ergonomic homeschool settings for our kids? And are there different rules for kids with JA? So it's different for kids because they're smaller. And this is kind of based on body size. So it's going to be hard for a child to sit in an adult size chair and table because what's going to happen? Their feet are going to be dangling. Their arms are going to be reaching up. So it is hard to fit children to adult settings. And at home, you know, a lot of us, not necessarily everyone has a a child's desk and chair, but if you do, that would be ideal. Um, And then I like to start first with like the technologies and like iPads. I feel like that's what all the kids are working off of these days. And so like when my daughter's on the couch with her iPad, looking down, I tend to want to bring it up. And so that's a good place to start is just to kind of look at um, the neck when they're viewing their technology. That's the thing we see really the most with kids is that they're always looking down at, at the screen. 
And so positioning the screen so they can look up or using a stand, a tablet stand, so that they can work at a table so that it's more eye level. That would be the big thing. And then, you know, at other ergonomic issues we think about for kids is things that are highly repetitive. So they're playing video games. That can be aggravating to joints for sure. So limiting repetition with um, activities such as video games or typing. When we think about kids in ergonomics, we tend to think about backpacks too. So lightening the load of what they have to carry and making sure that the backpack is fitted properly. When I used to work with kids, sometimes I would recommend that they work on a therapy ball or a balance disc to sit on because it helps give them a little bit of uh, movement while they're working, which actually helps with their focus. Each kid is different in that respect. Some kids might need a lot of that and some kids might not require a lot of that, but just kind of being forgiving in those moments where they're fidgeting at the desk and moving and can't sit in their chair, just kind of know that that's normal kid stuff. Yeah. And what would be helpful for us too as adults if we are parents in these situations is take that break with them. There's a reason kids have recess and the school day built in and, and breaks to walk from one classroom to the next. So we could do the same with them, go out on a family walk for recess or play ball for a little bit. Then you go back to work and you can refocus, right? Yeah, it's good for everyone. The thing that's helping me the most to stay really emotionally good through this time is, you know, taking a walk in the morning, having my dance party, making sure I get my blood moving. It's just absolutely essential to making sure that I can get through some of these tougher days. Are there some good maybe stretches that we can do at our workstations to have those little breaks throughout the day that can help us get back into that ergonomic neutral position that is so good for us? Absolutely. So the general rule is that you want to change a position every 30 minutes, even if it just means getting out of your chair very briefly to get a glass of water or to just stand up and do a quick stretch. But you don't want to maintain a static position like sitting in a chair for more than 30 minutes without moving. Target the vulnerable areas. So we want to make sure that we stretch our wrists back and forth, our um, our necks are vulnerable. And again, we think about the, the pattern that we're, we tend to be in. We tend to be kind of hunched over looking down. And so kind of bringing yourself back into that open position where you stretch your neck back and you, you squeeze your shoulder blades together and open up the chest. Another area that's vulnerable for office workers is our hamstrings, so the back of our legs. Those tend to get really tight from sitting if we do a lot of sitting during the day. I would just add one tip for eye strain as well. Um, the recommended rule is the 20-20-20 rule, and that is every 20 minutes, you're looking at something about 20 feet away for 20 seconds, and that's allowing our, our eyes to accommodate and avoid the, the strain from looking at our devices. An alternate to that would be also just closing your eyes for 20 seconds every 20 minutes. That's great. That's probably another great tip that we should have our kids do, too. That's not something they're going to think about doing, right, especially if they're entrenched in watching something or playing a game. What helps me is alternating, standing and sitting. We have lots of phone meetings. Now we have even more. So making sure I sit and stand for meetings and alternate that, but also I have an anti-fatigue mat that actually a physical therapist recommended to me that has some of those things that you can stretch your calves that you were talking about earlier. It's great. And making that part of your routine, like knowing that you're going to do that, you know, in the morning, in the afternoon or whatever it is, whatever works for you, just embedding that into what you do every day. 
even though I have been working from home, my son's home, my husband's home, one of the things that we've actually been trying to do together is go on a walk every day, which has been kind of nice. And you're out there and you see a bunch of other people out there because everybody is getting stir crazy in the house. But it has been a nice way to just walk away from the computer, take a break, get some physical activity in uh, and, and get some fresh air. At least where I am, a lot of flowers are starting to be in bloom and you can walk outside and, and remember that that spring is coming <laughs> and that we have something to look forward to as the seasons start to change. So that's been something really helpful for, for us as well, Rebecca. Yeah, we're hearing so much in the news and a lot of us are hearing from our doctor's offices about switching our appointments to be telehealth or telemedicine. And I know from my experience as an occupational therapist, that telehealth was available in early intervention setting. And is this an opportunity for people with arthritis to actually access OT and PT a little bit easier? And how would they go about doing that? Therapists are, depending on the setting, are really starting to transition to the virtual health. I know that home health services in my state are still operating in the home, but outpatient clinics are starting to figure out a way to see patients virtually. So I would first reach out to your outpatient PT or OT to see what their plan is and how you can connect with them during this time. So if we're looking at the silver lining here, there is a lot more opportunity to learn, um, and we're also having a lot more time to learn <laughs> and do things that maybe were on the back burner that are related to our self-care. And so if that means getting some therapy or setting up an ergonomic workstation, kind of slow down, take a step back and do something positive for your health. The place to start for people, would it be asking your doctor and checking with your insurance? Certainly primary care is a place to start to get a referral for an outpatient. I think that's probably case by case with whatever um, is going on in your state and your region right now. I'm biased because I am an OT, but I, I really do think that this is a great opportunity for people an easier way to access physical therapy or occupational therapy in the home using this opportunity for telehealth because they can really you can take your phone around and show us what your house looks like. Show me what your workspace looks like right now and what are you having trouble with. And since it's being opened up to get reimbursed by, by Medicare and, and other services, you know, just checking to make sure that that's available might make it more open for people and readily available. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that's right, Rebecca. And I think, Nikki, to your point, it's such an important time to explore those those new hobbies, so to speak, those new self-care rituals that you can add to your day when we are all kind of living in this new normal. I often think of ergonomics as something I have to go, you know, buy a new mouse pad or try something new here. But just thinking about the things that are back in the closet, the textbook I can use to lift my computer up or the textbook I can use to put my feet onto so that my chair is more comfortable. That has been really helpful for me. We have to get creative and, you know, ergonomics does not have to be high cost. In fact, it can be no cost um, with some creative solutions just to think about things we already have around the house. So let's think about seating first. You know, say you have a chair that doesn't have great back support. You could make a lumbar roll using a towel so that your lower back is supported while you're sitting. Say that um, your feet aren't supported in the chair that you're using. Just use a sturdy box or a bin to prop your feet up. Or, you know, it could be a book or something like that. As far as your monitor, you know, many of us are working off a laptop and that automatically is going to have you in a non-neutral position 
So using a stack of books to raise up the screen, and then if you have an external mouse and keyboard, that's really ideal. What about if you have I mean, an old monitor attaching your old monitor, hooking up your old monitor to your laptop? Right. Yeah, exactly. See what kind of old technology you have. <laughs> Most of us have a keyboard somewhere. Probably still works. If you're going to try and do some amount of standing, just kind of keeping in mind that the right height to stand at a workstation is about elbow height or slightly lower. So if you're working at a counter that's much higher than that, it's going to be hard to find a position that keeps you from reaching up. So you might need to do some modifications in that way if you have, you know, some type of platform to stand to bring you up higher or a cardboard box to bring your laptop screen up to eye level. I mean, really endless possibilities there. It's been so visual hearing you describe these things. So I can really think about how all of this can apply in my current setting. I spend so much time in the kitchen, whether you're cooking or baking or doing dishes or whatever. There's a lot of standing that you can do just in the house. And so ergonomics, when we think about that, it doesn't just apply to the office. It's also everything else in the house, right? Yes, without a doubt. A real issue. You know, there was a time, my second born, he was kind of a, a bigger baby and he also didn't sleep. And a little while into maybe six months, me and my husband both noticed we had shoulder pain. And I was like, I think I have an MSD. I think I have a musculoskeletal disorder. And all of the risk factors were there. It, it was, I was holding him on my right side and rocking him every single night. And it's that repetitive stress on my joints that led me to have pain. When you think about some of the highest risk occupations, one of them is people that do house cleaning. You know, you mm-hmm. can imagine the repetitive mm-hmm. stress of vacuuming and mopping and dusting. It's all repetitive dominant side stress. One of the things I, I always like to teach um, people too is when you have kids, it, like you mentioned, your whole body and how you use your body changes We need to think about that for people with arthritis, like carrying the infant carrier and all of those things that you have to carry. It's always awkward, you know, trying to buckle kids in. And sometimes people have already have a hard time doing the daily tasks of getting dressed and do all that. And then you add on the extra layer of, okay, now I have to take care of this tiny human and carry (laughs) around this 15 pound thing and buckle them in and what it does to your joints. Mm -hmm. These risks are everywhere. Another one I think about too is working in the kitchen. I think a lot about how we need to think about tools um, when we work in the kitchen. And, you know, when you say, for example, you're chopping vegetables, you want to kind of look and see what your wrist is doing. Are you doing a lot of repetitive up and down? And, you know, how is that going to make your wrist feel? You may want to instead use what they call like a mezzaluna knife. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yep, I have one. (laughs) Yeah, it's your more what they call proximal muscles. So you don't mm-hmm. have to put all that stress on those smaller joints or use an automatic can opener or um, looking at tools that have more angled grip so that your wrist stays straight, for example. The Arthritis Foundation has a really awesome program called Ease of Use, which is a certification for products that have been tested and are easy to use if you have arthritis. And there are things like scissors and gardening tools and cooking tools and beyond, all available on our website. So you can check out what's available there. 
for products that might be helpful for you in any of these settings. Yeah, and that's great. And, you know, all of these tools and strategies, essentially, they're all working to reduce your ergonomic risk factors, which in my mind is is the very same thing as practicing joint protection. Yeah, I think one of the things too that I like to impress upon people when I'm doing patient education is you might think that the way that you're typing on the keyboard is not that big of a deal all day, but you're using the small joints in your hands and your wrists Mm -hmm. all day to get dressed, to open and close the door, turning keys, holding your toothbrush. That's all repetitive Mm -hmm. stress on your joints. So learning how to either adapt the task or to use a different tool can throughout the day as the day goes on, reduce that stress on your joints. We can take the kitchen, for example. You want to keep frequently used items within easy reach. You don't want to have to go too far to access things that you use all the time. And also heavy items. You don't want to be lifting heavy items from tall cabinets or low cabinets for that matter. You want to keep those more at the level where you could slide them on the counter as opposed to lift them. Looking at the handles of the tools, are they are they built up tools? Are they pressing into your hand in any way that could avoid that could cause discomfort? And what does your wrist and hand look like when you're using the tool? So a big thing I like to educate people on is something called hip hinging. We think about uh, when we lift objects and even just picking up something from the floor, we want to you hear lift with your knees or bend with your knees. But even more so using our hips, practicing that idea of the hip hinge where every time you're moving your back, whether it's to unload the dishwasher or to get the child out of the car seat, you're bending at the hips maybe some at the knees as well, rather than curving the spine to do that. That gives a great visual. Yeah, it really does. Absolutely. The only other thing I would add to that would be just the importance of taking breaks and not holding these Mm. fixed positions for a long time. No matter what you're doing, your body tells you to take a break. You take a break and change positions. We know this is a stressful time. We really want to understand how the coronavirus is impacting your physical and emotional health, as well as your ability to access your doctors and the medication you need. Please take the Live Yes Insights Assessment to help us understand and provide resources to help. Go to arthritis.org insights. Well, thank you so much, Nikki, for helping us think through how to apply ergonomics to this new at-home lifestyle of working and educating and doing all the things we normally do to manage our home. Can you share some of your top three takeaways that can help people living with arthritis or someone they love to live ergonomically during these uncertain times? Of course. So first, the idea of that routine and a routine that involves movement breaks built into the day. And, you know, our bodies will really thank us for that, but also it's good for our mental health as well to just have that time to move that is embedded into our daily routine. Second, I'm going to caution against laptop use. So we tend to be working off laptops in our home environment a lot. And so finding a way to fashion that, that you don't have to be bent over a laptop, whether it's raising up the screen or using that external mouse and keyboard um, to make it a more ergonomic setup. And even worse would be working on a 
on a couch or on a bed with a laptop. So I'm going to caution again about that, even though it sounds pretty cozy. Last, find a way to sit ergonomically. So if you're using a computer workstation and you don't have the best task chair, you don't have a chair that's necessarily super adjustable, try and find ways to make it work so that you can sit comfortably. Again, thinking about back support, um, just using a small pillow or a lumbar roll is an easy way to help with that problem and feet support as well. That's great. Thank you so much. I'm going to add in one takeaway for everyone that I read a fellow OT had posted in this OT group thread is to remind all of us who are working from home and maybe schooling our children from home that these are tough times and uncertain times. We have a lot of stress and anxiety going on, but we're not teachers. We're parents. And so we're parents first. And so Stop worrying about creating that perfect school schedule for your kids at home. Make sure you save time for the cuddles, the time to chill out together, time to go on walks, and just be with your family. Find the silver lining in it, right? So I just wanted to add that in because I thought that was great advice. I know so many of us are struggling with with that piece right now. So I think that the, the key piece for me is like giving yourself permission to not have it perfect immediately. So thank you so much for adding that. And Nikki, thank you so much for all of your advice. This has been really helpful uh, and I'm excited to, to get it out to our listeners. So thanks so much. You're welcome. This Live Yes with Arthritis podcast was brought to you by the trusted experts of the Arthritis Foundation. We're bringing together leaders in the arthritis community to help you make a difference in your own life in ways that make sense. You may have arthritis, but it doesn't have you. The Arthritis Foundation would like to thank Janssen and Sanofi Genzyme Regeneron for sponsoring today's episode. Go to arthritis.org slash liveyespodcast for episodes and show notes. And stay in touch. 